Hello, welcome to the Brazilian Health Nut Show. Here you will find cutting-edge information provided by the best experts in the world so you can learn how to burn fat for the rest of your life. Bruno de Gama is the Brazilian Health Nut in a mission to solve the problems you have when trying to lose weight forever. He is a nutritional therapy practitioner, a certified personal trainer, and a holistic lifestyle coach by the Czech Institute. Don't forget to say hello and sign up to our free newsletter at www.brazilianhealthnet.com. Let's go! All right, thank you so much for being here with me today, Diane. I appreciate your time. Can you tell a little bit about your background and how did you become like a real food nutritionist? Sure, yes. Um, well, I grew up on Long Island, actually, right outside of New York, and worked on some farms um, through high school and college, and then went to college, um, had some stomach stuff going on back then, but I didn't really know what was happening. Um, when I was a kid, I was really sick as well, um, but they thought it was like lactose intolerance, and you know, they didn't know what, what was making me so sick, and so... I, uh, when I was 26, I was diagnosed with celiac disease and I'm pretty sure that that was what had been making me sick my whole life. And so I decided to, you know, I went gluten free, which helped a lot, but it wasn't really until I started learning more about, um, real food. Uh, I was running, um, a farm stand with my husband. Um, I'm jumping way ahead from like my whole career in, in marketing yeah. and high tech and everything. But, um, uh, my husband and I were, uh, living at a farm, um, different from the one we're at now. And there was a raw milk co-op happening and I took over as the farm stand manager and I saw all these people picking up this raw milk. And I was like, what is First of all, I don't drink milk. Like I've never had milk because they thought it was a lactose intolerance that was making me sick. So mm -hmm. uh, I was like, why are these paying all this money for this disgusting milk? And it's raw <laughs> and they're eating full fat and these people are crazy. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Um, and then I started learning a little bit more about um, why fats are good. I went to a Weston A. Price conference. I attended the NTA And um, right at the end of the NTA program, which did you go to that program as well? Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah I'm in NTP as well. Oh, great. <laughs> um, Love it. So, yeah. So right at the end, um, I don't know if w you had to do this as well, but a book report. Did you have to do like a, a book report? Um, well, there was many different uh, books reports we have to do throughout the program. Yeah. I, but I don't know about this. Yeah. The anyway, end, but. I had to do like a diet. I had to read like a diet plan and then try it. I think, mm -hmm. um, for, for my thing. And so the paleo solution had just come out and mm -hmm. I picked that book and read it and it totally changed my life. Yeah. So I, I was very yeah. addicted to gluten-free foods. Uh, that's why I'm so sensitive to when people are making these paleo brownies and things like that, because I was very, um, you know, I had, when I went gluten-free when I was about 26, I just replaced my, you know, low fat, mostly vegetarian, 
standard American diet with the gluten-free version of it. So I would have gluten-free cereal for breakfast, a gluten-free sandwich for lunch, gluten-free pasta for dinner, maybe a gluten-free beer and gluten-free cookies, you know. Yeah, uh, everything gluten-free. Yeah. That doesn't mean that it was very healthy. Right. And I didn't understand yeah. why um, I had to eat every hour and a half. And, you know, my blood sugar was a mess. I was uh, pre-diabetic. And I've never been overweight. So um, I think that, you know, that's a huge misconception, right? That just because you're skinny, you're healthy. Um, so mm -hmm. I've always been right. thin. Um, right. But uh, anyhow, so I, I went paleo and I could go from breakfast to lunch without a snack. I could maybe skip lunch and I'd be okay. I um, All my food cravings completely vanished. So dinner is now whatever meat I have and whatever vegetables I have, I put them together and that's dinner. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Got it, got it. So then I have uh, something here I wanted to talk before we get into the main topic of today. Um, I believe that like most health problems can be solved with proper nutrition, physical activity, and like lifestyle, right? And you wrote an article called Unicorns and Rainbows, mm -hmm. the myth of the paleo panacea. Mm -hmm. Is that right? I'm saying panacea, yep. is that right? Yeah. Panacea, okay. Can you please like summarize like what's the main points of this article and what is, what is in there that is important to share with the listeners today? Yeah, um, I just I think that there are aspects about modern medicine that we can't ignore, and uh, it's not all bad, and you can't fix everything with food. So, uh, I this was written because I had a patient come to me for nutrition counseling in my practice, and she had just found out about she finally had been diagnosed with a form of bipolar disorder, so you know mental right. illness. And um, her, she, she was about to go meet with a doctor, and she was pretty sure that she was going to have to go on medication. And she, she thought that I was going to be very anti, you know, medication. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I explained to her that you know it's okay, <laughs> basically that you know diet and lifestyle can get you so far, but then it's okay if you need to rely on some medication. You know, there's such a stigma specifically around mental health, but you know, so if you had a heart condition, you wouldn't just try to, you know, stick it out with extra coconut oil, right? You'd probably, mm -hmm. you know, follow your doctor's advice in addition to doing uh, lifestyle yeah. uh, interventions. Yeah, um, you work with both at the same time. Yes. Um, see when you can maybe get out of the, the medications, but you cannot just go like, I'm going to treat everything just with food, just with uh, sleeping better. Right. Sometimes it doesn't work, right? Right. So definitely it's the most important thing, right? To get really good sleep, to get um, good food. But, you know, there's also, <laughs> we have modern diseases um, and modern health problems that there are some very uh, effective medications. And at the end of the day, you only live once. Uh, um, we're not, no one's making it out of here alive and you should have the highest quality life that you can. And so, um, if medication will help you achieve a longer, healthier life, then by all means, you should also look at medication. Mm -hmm. Got it. Thank you so much. So Diana, you talk a lot about sustainability, right? Let's uh, start by defining what exactly is that? Okay, so um, the whole idea with sustainability is um, really just looking at the environmental impact that our um, choices are making on the planet. So um, just kind of taking a longer range view and um, a little bit beyond sort of just paleo for six packs, health, you know, the <laughs> health to mm -hmm. just make me look good naked, which is unfortunately what most people only care about. Um, but then just also looking at 
you know, should we be eating so much meat? Should we be eating organic vegetables? Um, what's the impact of, you know, uh, flying in apples from New Zealand and red peppers from Israel and all these, yeah. all these places. So, uh, and acai from Brazil. <laughs> what's that? And acai from Brazil. That's right. Acai from Brazil. Um, and even, you know, like the coconut oil industry has had a huge impact on, uh, Ecuadorians, you know, because, uh, that has been their traditional food. And now that all the doctors down there are, are telling these local people that they need to eat, you know, canola oil because this coconut oil is a saturated fat and it's going to kill them. And now they're all dying early of heart disease. And meanwhile, mm. their beautiful coconut oil is all getting shipped to American health nuts. So, yeah. <laughs> Uh, right. but anyway, but so, yeah, so the idea of sustainability is really just looking at, you know, um, what, well, the food sustainability is looking at not only what food is healthy for us, but also healthy for the planet. Right. It's uh, changing a little bit of the perspective, not just about ourselves as a, as an individual, but looking at the whole society, right? So that we can be here for a longer period of time. I don't know how long you're going to be here, right? Right. There is uh, many generations to come. So do you think we can be sustainable and like feed healthy food to the whole world at the same time? Yeah. And you know, um, Brazilian uh, dietary guidelines are actually pretty advanced um, in this area with looking at sustainability. I actually, this is the talk I'm going to be giving at the Ancestral Health Symposium in, um, mm -hmm. in Boulder coming up in August. Uh, yeah. where I'm looking at all different countries and what they're advising their people to do. And the lovely thing about Brazil is they're completely focused on trying to get people to reduce their intake of highly processed foods. Um, mm -hmm. And so I don't know if you've, if you've looked at, you know, they've, they've got some really nice um, examples of plates of, you know, uh, different meals that would, you know, be home cooked, things like that. Unfortunately, the breakfast suggestions are pretty... Um, low in grain base. Yeah, low in protein. <laughs> you know, but at least it's a little bit better than um, than what we're seeing coming out of the U.S. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'm surprised actually, to be honest with you, because uh, I was I was talking to you about this offline. Every time I go to Brazil, uh, it's get, things are getting worse and worse. But at least the government's trying trying to do their part. Yeah. But yeah, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I don't know how much um, industry is influencing their dietary guidelines. You know, that might be different than what's happening here because we've got, you know, the dairy industry making sure that it's a glass of milk and not a glass of water at the my plate suggestions, you know. So we've, we've got a lot of industry influence happening here. And I didn't see that heavily uh, influenced um, uh, tone in the Brazilian dietary guidelines. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I know that in Brazil as a whole, it's the country that most consume uh, pesticides mm. from, from food. So there is a huge uh, things going on like, in terms of this organic, uh, should you know, this whole movement as well. Interesting. But I, I was doing, yeah, like last year, I remember, remember I was doing some research and I came across this, like Brazil being the, the biggest consumer of uh, pesticides, which is crazy. So where should it, like we start, like as a, as a consumer and as a individual into in terms of practice this sustainability right how how do we, we should be starting looking to those things well i think that people who are already sort of following a you know paleo western a price type whole foods diet 
in general, um, understand that humans are animals, right? And that we're not removed from nature. We don't control nature. We're not on top of all the other animals. There's, we're actually intertwined very, very much with the natural world. Um, and that we, you know, have a diet that we should be consuming that we evolved to eat. Right. Um, right. so I think it's a much easier to go from that attitude than to, um, look at, okay, what do cows, um, what did they evolve to eat? Is it grains or is it grass? Uh, you know, I see in, in the pet food stores, you know, the, the, all this grain-free dog food. So people are getting it that, you know, maybe my dog shouldn't be eating wheat and soy. Maybe it should be eating, you know, mostly meat uh, because that's what a dog would normally eat. So mm -hmm. I think the thinking, number one, has to kind of get away from, oh, I could never eat anything with a face or – you know, why would you kill something if you don't have to? And, you know, all these things, because the human body um, nutritionally uh, requires meat flesh in order to thrive. And mm -hmm. um, very bad consequences happen when you start messing with um, what our natural diet should be. So that's the first thing. And then, um, you know, there's all different levels. So, you know, for somebody who lives in a very urban environment and, you know, not on a farm like me, <laughs> um, because I live on this. Yeah, I mean, I'm in New York City. So let's use right. my example. What should I do? Then? Right. You should go down <laughs> to the Union Square Farmer's Market. Okay. okay, that's a good one. I love that one. Yeah, you should talk to the farmers down there, develop relationships with the farmers. Um, you should, um, you know, go to restaurants that are buying directly from farmers. There are community gardens. There are rooftop gardens. There are, you know, places that you can go to learn more about food production that are not very far. So for you, um, you know, taking a trip out on Long Island, um, where I grew up, the eastern end of Long Island, there's tons and tons of farms out there. Uh, you could, you know, volunteer for a weekend, something like that. Um, Stone Barns is uh, not very far north of you. And that's also an amazingly beautiful place, but they run a lot of tours and education programs and also have an amazing restaurant. If you haven't eaten there, I highly recommend it. Mm, um, yeah, it's there is there is one that I recommend for people who are here in this area. It's called Utter Milk. I think it's .org, if I'm not mistaken, but it's a co-op in Pennsylvania, and they sh they ship. Actually, it's like pretty old school. They come on this uh, old little van, and they deliver it to you, and they just accept it, like cash. Yep. So it's it's pretty nice, and it's the most amazing food that I've eaten here in the U.S. It comes from them because it's all like. Uh, organic, like sustainable, organic, but it's also raw. Like the yeah. cheese, the milk, like we were talking before in the beginning, so like the taste is so different. Like I remember the first time I ate, I ate from the most like probably five years ago, I think. And when I taste the raw milk, because I I don't think I uh, I drank um, raw milk before. Maybe one time when I was a little kid in Brazil, but when I had it for the first time here, I was like, oh my God, it's like so different from everything that I've tried before. Mm -hmm. And from that day, I was like, that's so, so amazing. I have to share this with people. That's yeah. And we do a lot to try to preserve um, food traditions for people here on our farm. Um, so, for example, we have, uh, there, there's been quite a few people who have come on site um, from Africa, from Central America. There's a lot of Guatemalans um, who live in the Boston area. Um, and then we have a large population of North Africans as well. And, you know, they're from these traditional cultures where, you know, they kill the chickens 
in their house and just process them and eat them right there. Um, or they'll, you know, kill a sheep right in their backyard and process all the meat, you know, there as well. So we, um, you know, we facilitate some of that and allow that to happen um, so that, you know, they're keeping their food traditions going. Um, because one of the worst things is, you know, people coming to America and, um, and having to, you know, buy this chicken that they say doesn't taste like chicken, right? Uh, Um, and meat that doesn't taste like meat, drinking milk that doesn't taste like milk, all these things. Uh, so, so this reminded me, Diana, sorry to cut you. Um, I was talking to my friend last week and she was just like talking to me about how scared she is right now to eat meat because she has seen all these mm -hmm. documentaries and, and, and everything like, talking just bad about the, the way they treat the animal. So she it's not for the nutrition reason that she's not eating meat, mm -hmm. but she, for, the, for the way they treat the animal. So how, how should I go and have this conversation with her? Like I, I told her, yeah, I can send you some other documentaries talking about polyfarm, like all mm -hmm. these other uh, sustainable farms that we have as well, treating the animals, animals' rights. But, you know, uh, how would you go about having this conversation with somebody who tells you that? Right. Um, so, you know, like I was saying that people are disconnected from nature, we're also very disconnected from death and very uncomfortable to talk about death. Mm -hmm. um, right. And we don't like to um, to know that things die. And we certainly don't want to think about ourselves dying, right? So, so we're going to live forever and nothing bad ever happens to anything. So, um, so there's a couple points I could make. One, and is she not eating meat at all? Because of this, or, uh, or yeah, 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 not like um, beef. She's not eating beef okay. right now because I think the documentary was more focused on the beef Ugh. industry. <laughs> All right, so actually, if she was going to go to a slaughterhouse and actually see the animals being slaughtered, she would be much more comfortable eating beef and much less comfortable eating pork. Um, because what ends up happening is um, at a slaughterhouse. The animals, um, unless it's kosher or halal, so kosher and halal um, is slightly different than than this process. But um, a typical humane slaughterhouse, the animals are very calmly walked up a chute. They don't see what's happening in front of them. Um, there's not a lot of noise or you know bright lights or um, anything. It's a very calm process. Uh, they they walk into the chute. Um, they're immediately um, stunned with a with a gun. So the the gun doesn't oh. kill them; it just renders them unconscious, and so basically like knocks them out. And oh. and it's very very fast. And then immediately their throat is slit so that they're they bleed out. Um, and this process is. Uh, very fast. I mean, it's, I don't know that you could call it, you know, painless, right. Or stressless because there's some right. stress involved a little bit, but it's certainly, um, much better than how animals die out in the real world. So I'll talk about that in a second. Now with a pig, it's slightly different, um, to observe because when you do that to a pig, you stun them and then you slit their throat. The, um, slitting the throat is what actually kills them. Um, when you do that to a pig, they have a very um, strong uh, reaction in their spine. So um, they they do flail around a lot. And it's not the pig, like, fighting death or anything like that. It's just a, a nervous system response to, um, to the death of the pig. Uh, mm -hmm. So the pig doesn't know that it's doing that. But it is, like, freaky to watch it. Yeah, um, I know. 
Okay. I don't think I'm going to send this one to her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's important to understand what happens because um, we should know what happens, right? Yeah, um, right. And what happens out in nature is a whole lot worse, right? Being eaten by a coyote, I would take a bullet to the head than being eaten by a coyote. Um, you know, I there's, there's videos out there you can see, you know, um, in Africa, these large, beautiful um, animals, I forget which one, a oh, wildebeest, being eaten alive by a hyena, right? Yeah. So, and even the ones that die a natural, quote-unquote natural death, that's a very long, painful process as well, right? It's not fast. So... Um, so I don't think that killing an animal for meat is, is more, um, it treats the animal worse than, um, an animal dying, you know, either being hunted or, uh, or a, a death by a predator. So I, mm -hmm. I can't imagine a, a better way to die in nature mm -hmm. compared to how the animals are slaughtered here at a humane slaughterhouse. Now, these documentaries don't like to show those ones. They show these awful slaughterhouses. They show awful yeah, living conditions, more. right? Um, they like to show factory farms, and they like you to think that all your meat is factory farmed. And that's just not the case. If anyone was to go on my Instagram account and look and see the happy pigs laying around in nature, uh, you know, in the woods, we like to say that they only have one bad day. Hey, what's up, guys? Brenda Gama here, Brazilian Health Nut. And let's take a little break from the show because I want to offer you something very, very special, okay? So if you go to BrazilianHealthNut.com and scroll all the way to the bottom of the page, you find a place that you can claim your free strategy call with me. Or you can just send me an email at Bruno at BrazilianHealthNut.com and tell me that you want to schedule your free call, okay? During this call, we are going to develop a strategy that works for your kind of body and lifestyle because remember that we all different. So go ahead and do that now because spots are limited, okay? So now let's get back to the show. Mm -hmm. <laughs> awesome. So then let's talk um, more about animal welfare right now. So what would happen, if, let's say, if everyone stopped eating meat? You wrote an article about that on your blog, so share with us. Well, actually, that was a co my colleague, Caroline Watson, who wrote um, okay. that article. But basically, um, you know, a lot of death happens just in the, uh, the process of eating, um, you know, all these fake meat products like tofu and, to, you know, tofurkey and, and all these products. So, um, so, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, it's – so I'll back up for a second. Um, when the tractors are going over the fields to harvest the soybeans, there is a massive slaughter happening of bunnies, of mice, of birds. Um, you know, it, it's, it's not a bloodless diet. So they're crazy if they think that they're not killing anything by eating that way. And so the right. next step that they'll tell me is that, well, I didn't intend to kill anything. You know, it's all about intent, Right. Mm -hmm. And so, well, I could tell you that, for example, if you go to the beach and you put on this uh, the standard sunscreen, every fish within 50 feet of you will die, right? Mm -hmm. You're not intending to kill those fish and you're trying to save yourself by putting on the sunscreen, but 50 fish are going to die or every, every fish within 50 feet of you is going to die, right? Mm -hmm. wow. But I could tell you that 
instead, you could just put the, a fishing pole in, catch one fish, eat it, and no fish will die, and your skin will be protected. Uh, what do you think is the better solution? Killing one fish um, and eating it or killing all these other fish from the sunscreen? Um, is so both ways you're going to uh, walk away without a sunburn. Um, one way you didn't intend to kill the animals and the other way you did, and you actually got to eat something that was healthy at the same time. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's the same Good for your skin too. Yeah. Right. So I think it's the, <laughs> I think it's the same thing with, you know, vegetarians saying, well, I didn't intend to kill anything. Um, so I'm just going to eat this tofu versus, you know, somebody who goes and they meet with their farmer and they, uh, are, you know, know that they're getting humanely raised meat, um, and, you know, one cow can feed a family for a very long time versus, mm -hmm. uh, you know, how much tofu do you need? A lot. Um, yes. Even chickens, you know, um, you need a lot. Yeah you need, so, yeah, you need so much more calories just if you're just eating from plants to get the same kind of uh, vitamins and minerals and, and nutrients, right? From, yeah. As comparing if you're getting from animal source as well. So why do you think like uh, veganism has become so popular lately? I think because, um, first of all, you get really skinny when you're a vegan and people think skinny is healthy, right? Mm. Especially when I walk around New York City. It's like everybody is so skinny in New York City. <laughs> um, and so they're forgetting that, no, actually healthy is strong, not skinny, right? Uh, but, you know, the women that I see walking the streets in New York, uh, they're, you know, I think most of them just want to be as thin as possible. Uh, and, you know, vegans going to help them do that. And, you know, they also think that they're not eating protein. Well, their bodies are getting meat and it's their own meat that, it's, that they're eating. So um, the, when you're not consuming enough protein, your body will eat your own muscle, um, which is one of the reasons why vegans are so thin. Um, it's because their body is metabolizing their own muscle tissue. Right. So... Um, Yeah, it's just basically our disconnection with uh, with nature in general. Nobody lives on farms anymore. No one has a farm experience. And people have just a very warped sense of what is healthy. And it's right. not just being skinny. And it's, um, you know, we, we, we forget that we're part of the cycle of nature and just not um, on top of nature. Mm -hmm. So what's your opinion on like when, for example, the World, World Health Organization classifies like red meat as a possible carcinogen? Mm -hmm. What do you think about that? So that's based on really poor science. Um, that, that's based on observational studies. Um, so, for example, they're saying that it's linked, right? That, that, you know, people who eat meat compared to people who don't eat meat um, are more likely to die, right? Mm -hmm. But I could tell you that... Um, when you're in a warmer climate, there's more shark attacks. So just don't be in a warmer climate and you won't die of a shark attack. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, like all these yeah. other things need to happen. Um, and also most of them are not adjusted for lifestyle factors. So yes, in general, people who shop at health food stores and are vegetarian, um, and do yoga, you know, they're, they're, they're doing other things that make right. there healthy, is more stuff going on right? besides just that. Yeah. And yeah. they're not comparing, Uh, like a paleo type diet or a Weston A. Price type diet to a vegetarian. What they're comparing is vegetarian to a standard American diet. So mm. when you compare somebody who you know says that they eat meat three times a week, they're they're probably not recording that they had a deep fried apple pie, a large fries, and a and a seventy two ounce coke with that as well. 
right? Yeah. Um, so people right. lie when they report their own food, and, and this is based on self-reported information. They're not looking at people who have the same lifestyle factors. People lie about smoking and, and drinking. Um, so they, they have not found an actual cause. They're just saying there's an association. Association, yeah, and that's what makes me crazy. Like, uh, I, all the time, like people come to me, like, "Oh, is this good? Or is this bad? Like, or if I eat this, I'm gonna be healthy." And like, I want to talk. We need more time to talk about this because health is not just one little thing. It's so subjective. There is so many things going on at the same time. There is your, of course, your nutrition. There is your physical activity. There is your stress management. There is your sleep and your social life and your happiness and your job and everything and the pollution and so many things that can lead you to have a, a happier, longer life and not, not just like, oh, if I don't eat meat, I'm going to uh, live longer. Yeah, longer or life. I actually like to say those acai berries or what, however you pronounce it, acai, acai, acai. you know, yeah. people think that that is the magic pill that's going to save oh, yeah. them. Right. And so when they came out at Whole Foods, I remember everyone was going crazy for them. I'm like, okay, it's a berry imported from another country. We have berries here. You know, if you just didn't eat all the junk that you eat, you wouldn't, you know, need these magical berries to keep you alive right. forever. And besides that, besides being, let's say, uh, let, let's say it's good, okay. But the problem is most people are not just eating the acai as the fruit. Right. They are eating with a lot of crap, especially the ones that they sell into the supermarket. Right. Are, there is so many many other ingredients together, especially sugar and all the, everything. Like when I go to Brazil, it's the same. We have the acai ball. It's like very famous, right? We go to this uh, little shop and everybody is having acai ball. But what they don't realize is what they put into the acai ball besides the, just the acai. There is... A lot of uh, guarana, which is another fruit uh, syrup. So it's kind of like a lot of sugar, mm -hmm. just not from cane sugar. Plus, they go and they put a lot of other stuff together. So they put chocolates and, <laughs> and sweets together. Right. And they have, oh, I'm having my acai bowl. Check it out. I'm doing so well, right? right. So uh, that's another topic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, so, but I did write something. You know, it's very similar what you're saying to something I, I just recently wrote because there was an article that came out in the Washington Post um, and it was, you know, saying, you know, meat requires all this water to produce and it's just so bad on the environment and it's bad for your health and we need to tax meat. That's what she's saying. Mm -hmm. We need to tax beef. And mm -hmm. if we just do that, then, you know, everyone will be healthier. And I went point by point and broke it down. And, um, so when they're, we're, when they're complaining about how much water it takes, you know, to grow a hamburger, I don't know if you've heard people complaining, right? It takes right, like, right. like a hundred million gallons to make a hamburger. Yeah, yeah. Right. They're looking at rainfall. <laughs> they're looking at literally, they're looking at all the rain it took to grow the grass. Mm -hmm. Right. So yes. right. Um, and they're looking at uh, not just uh, also cows go to the bathroom. Right. So a lot of the rain or, you know, water that they're consuming water. is going out as pee um, mm -hmm. in the ground and their pee and their poop actually improves the soil very much. Um, mm -hmm. So it's just you can't compare. Um, oh, and then they would say, you know, uh, a serving of lettuce versus a serving of beef. Right. What do you think has better nutrition for you, a serving of beef or a serving of lettuce? Lettuce is pretty yeah. much water. That's all. Yeah, like we, like we talked before, the, yeah. we need so many more calories uh, by pounds comparing to get the same nutrients when, when comparing like the lettuce with a piece of beef. Right. Sure. And then worldwide, yeah. um, you know, the World Health Organization admits that worldwide um, iron deficiency is the most 
common um, deficiency there is. So globally, mm. it's iron. Guess the best source of iron? Yeah. Red meat. Yeah. <laughs> Red meat. There we go. So it's not cool. meat that's evil. It's how we prepare it. It's how we raise it. Yeah. And it's what we eat with it. Yeah, I talk about this all the time. There is two kinds of foods for everything nowadays. That's why we have to be so savvy because like we are talking here, there is two kinds of beef and there is two kinds of apples, everything. We have to kind of like check it out where it's coming from and then we can make like wiser decisions. So let's talk about uh, food policy right now. So what's the role of the government in our health that you see? Well, I think this is a big topic. I know. Yes, I think <laughs> that the government needs to step away from telling us what to eat. Um, there is just so, it's so incredibly corrupt, um, the information. So w right now it's the USDA that is funding the, um, the dietary guidelines, right? The job mm -hmm. of the USDA, the U S department of agriculture is to promote agriculture in the United States. The biggest producer, the biggest agriculture, you know, sectors are grain. So yes. guess why that's at the bottom of the pyramid and, you know, uh, takes up a quarter of our, our plate. It's grain um, yeah. because that's... I was going to ask you this later on. Why, why do you think it's like uh, we tend to focus so much on grains, like um, not just on the, the recommendations, but like subsidizing. Subsidizing. How do you say that Sub in English? Subsidizing. Subsidizing. There we go. Yes. Well, it's <laughs> easy to subsidize grains. Grains can, you know, last a long time in storage. Right. Um, so it's easy to do a surplus of grains and just store it. You know, we can't really have a surplus of lettuce. You, you can't do anything with all that extra lettuce, right? Mm -hmm. Or tomatoes, you can can them, I guess, but that takes a lot of energy. Um, it's pretty simple to store grains um, in the United States. Now, in, in a country like India that doesn't have the infrastructure that we have, if they have a surplus, it just rots usually because, um, you know, monsoons and other other disasters and lack of uh, infrastructure make it so that they can't really store things. So we have this awesome infrastructure in order to store all these grains. Um, and uh, the farmers who produce them are protected against um, the price going too low. So we've we've made a false market here. Um, it is not a uh, true capitalist um, system um, because of the subsidies. And um, you know, especially with corn, with corn syrup, and we're making it um, so inexpensive to sweeten our junk food. So yeah, food, corn is huge. Yeah, I remember like um, three, four years ago, I, I watched a documentary all about corn. I forgot the corn king. King corn. Like yep. King corn. Yes. <laughs> yes, and it was crazy. Like so many things are made from corn. This guy was like just checking. I know. Uh, his hair, like you know, corn on, 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 like coming from his hair. Yeah. Kind of. Because of all the, the corn he was eating was so funny. Yes, and the reason why meat is so inexpensive um, is because corn is so cheap. And uh, yeah. the reason why we're eating so much chicken is, uh, well, for there's a few reasons we're eating so much chicken. So beef consumption has not increased in the last 50 years. It's been okay. completely flat. We have not seen any increase in beef consumption. Um, mm -hmm. Chicken consumption worldwide has gone up almost 400%. Oh. Um, and chicken, uh, industrial chicken farming is so bad, um, for so many reasons that I would, I would say if you're going to buy conventional meat, um, buy, buy beef, um, because okay. it, it, even if they're from, you know, going to a feedlot, they don't live their whole life on a feedlot. They only go to a feedlot for the last three to six months of their life. Most of their life is spent 
out on pasture. So whether it's, you know, all meat is grass fed. Um, it's just a matter of the last um, three to six months of their life. Um, so a lot of people don't understand that. Um, yeah. Chicken, on the other hand, is completely indoors, um, pumped full of antibiotics because they would die without it, and fed only grain, um, no, no grass really or bugs or anything like that, uh, which is the chicken's, you know, natural diet. Now chickens do eat, you know, birds do eat some seeds. So a little bit of grain for chicken is okay, but not a hundred percent. Um, and you know, and even cage free chickens, it's not any better than, um, a battery raised chicken, just a standard chicken because, um, chickens are quite mean to each other, especially when they're stressed out and they'll just peck each other. Um, mm -hmm. and so what they do is they'll sear off, they'll burn off their, um, beaks. Um, mm -hmm. so anyhow, so I, I'm, I'm not a huge lover of chicken. Um, and I think we eat way too much of it and it's incredibly inexpensive. Yeah. And the other main problem with, um, uh, chicken farms is, Anti, um, um, antibiotic resistant, um, superbugs. So, mm -hmm. um, this is a huge, huge problem in, in our healthcare system. And it comes from these industrial farms. Um, and actually there's a really good film. I'm about to interview the guy for my podcast, um, a film called resistance. I highly mm -hmm. recommend it. Um, you can learn all about, um, just the, the major, major problems there. Mm, okay. Sorry. I was drinking some more. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> yeah. That one, and cool. there's another one that I'm really excited about. I'm interviewing this guy today. Um, it's a be called mm -hmm. Poverty Inc. Poverty Inc. Okay, then I haven't been watching much TV to be honest with you, but I like when they some some new ones comes. Yeah, Poverty Inc. Cool, awesome. So, do you see any uh, thing like good coming from the government though? So you you said before. Oh, do I see anything? Yes. Um, the change not coming from the government. Do you see anything they're doing <laughs> well? Um, well, I mean, I guess they did admit that cholesterol, you know, isn't the villain that they thought it was. I was pretty surprised that they came out with that and that saturated fat doesn't necessarily cause heart disease. Um, mm -hmm. so those two things were very important and they came out, you know, just within the last year. So that's good. Um, as far as doctors and nutritionists getting that information and telling their patients that, uh, that's not really happening. Um, I still get tons of people very concerned about their cholesterol, you know, they'll say, oh my God, my cholesterol's 200. I have to, I have to see a nutritionist and I'll look at their numbers and, you know, they have very low triglycerides, very high HDL. And I want to, you know, I tell them your cholesterol is fine. Do not yeah. let your doctor put you on a statin because, um, that your cholesterol numbers are absolutely fine. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I have this one paper showing how, you know, um, statins have been um, shown to help with people who, um, with men who are um, very high risk or who have had a heart attack. That's that's the only thing. But um, right. you know, right. uh, anyhow. Um, so so people are just uh, misinformed in general by the government, and I don't think that the government should be handing out nutrition advice at all. I don't think that we should be taxing food at all. Um, I wrote another article about that. Uh, Philadelphia just passed a um, sugar tax. And I know it sounds awesome, especially to us healthy people, right? Like, definitely. Mm -hmm. Why not? Why wouldn't you tax sugar? Sounds great. Mm -hmm. But the problem is, what's after that? So mm -hmm. once you say, okay, it's, a, it's okay to tax food, um, certain food items, what, what happens when they decide that butter is also unhealthy? What happens? Right. And now they're, you know, suggesting that meat is unhealthy and we should tax meat. 
Um, so it's a problem. Yeah. yeah so sure. the government needs to step away. <laughs> yeah. So if you would be responsible for making the, let's say, a food pyramid, I don't know if you'd make a food pyramid, first of all, <laughs> but like a plate or anything like in terms of recommendation, uh, how would you like summarize that for us? So in my book, um, The Homegrown Paleo Cookbook, and also in um, Paleo Lunches and Breakfast to, on the Go, which is my other one, I recommend that people eat um, to start out at this area. Now, this is, um, of course, you know, if you're much more athletic, you might need more calories or more carbohydrates, depending on what your sport right. is, you know, whatever. Um, right. So the needs of a 60-year-old woman who just had a hip, hip replacement is very different from you, Right. Yeah, right. Um, so, but I, I recommend people start out with protein about the size of their fist, mm-hmm. with fat about the length of their thumb, and the rest of their plate and vegetables. Like a, like a meal. You're talking about like a plate. Yes. Like when you're having a lunch, for example, right? Exactly. Okay, um, and that, you know, I, when people ask me about like how many carbs they should eat, I recommend that, you know, if they're brand new to, you know, eating differently and they want to, you know, start with something, I recommend, um, anywhere from 75 grams to 125 grams, um, more if they're, uh, you know, extremely athletic. Um, yes. so to give you an idea, a cup of rice is 50 grams of carbs. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, so that's, you know, this is not considered a low carb diet really, um, you know, within our space, um, Bruno, but within, um, the standard American diet that is considered a very low carb diet. Yeah. Compared to what most, most people are eating. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's very low, but not for, for our standards for sure. I have a little more because I'm pretty active and I kind of like tend to do well with carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. I try, I try to do a very low carb just to test it out and I didn't feel my best. Like I know. I need some, so I do kind of like a carb backloading. I start my morning with high fat, high protein, and I go increasing uh, slowly the carbohydrates, and I have the most in the evening, and it works amazing for me. Actually, it helps me with sleep as well. Yes, I do the same exact thing. Yeah, it's pretty good. So, Diana, what's like the future of everything? Like we're talking here today. Do you (laughs) that's a big question? (laughs) I know. Like, are you optimistic? Like, how do you see see this whole? You know. Uh, topics that we just talked about today here about government, animal fair, uh, sustainability, everything. Like, are you optimistic? It depends on what day you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> today, okay. So um, let's say, let's talk about today. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm really glad that more and more people are talking about it. Um, you were at PaleoFX, and you uh, you saw that you know there was there was quite a few discussions about sustainability that happened. Um, a few years ago, you know, there was one and, um, we had like five people in the room in the audience watching us. Um, and you know, Rob pointed out on one of our panels that, uh, look at this room. It's totally packed. Yeah. I saw you. Oh, was that the room? Yeah. Yeah, that's the one I saw. Yeah, it was great. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and so we were so thrilled. And um, so I do think people, this is the next level of paleo. And I mm-hmm. think that, um, you know, I have this shirt, the paleo 2.0 sustainability is greater than abs. Uh, it's mm-hmm. like the shirt that I sell on my website. Uh, mm-hmm. So people can, can check it out and, and buy one. Yeah. Um, awesome. But basically, uh, it's the next evolution, right? So fix yourself first. Um and don't worry too much. Like, just fix yourself. Buy, you know, just buy some meat, buy some vegetables, right? And just get yourself healthy. And then once you have gotten yourself there, then start worrying about the sourcing of things and yeah. um, and learn more about food production and get yourself onto a farm, for example, yeah. lots of things like that. 
Got it. Awesome. So where can people find you, Diana? And what's uh, next for you right now? Yeah. Um, well, actually, um, there's a big event happening um, August. Oh. 12th, 13th, I think. Yeah. In, well, there's, ancestral a, health symposium there's that. But then right after that is um, it's August 19, uh, 20th and 21st um, down at Joel Solitin's farm, Polyface Farm. Um, it's going to be um, a Saturday is a big tour of the farm, which is, oh, my gosh, so large and amazing and Joel Salatin I is such a good speaker I wish he was my dad <laughs> oh yeah um it's great oh my god yeah so so it's a tour of Polyface Farm down in Virginia and then the next day there's a workshop that I'm doing it's me Rob Dallas Hartwig uh Charles Mayfield and Joel Salatin and also a doctor who lives in New York actually Drew Ramsey and mm -hmm. we're going to be talking a little bit and then people can book one-on-one -on -one sessions with us and it's all a fundraiser for the farm to consumer legal defense fund so nice. um and they're still selling tickets so people can it virginia in the summer is amazing and this is the last year this is going to be a polyface so if you ever wanted to mm. really see a truly sustainable farm this is the place to go and then you can meet us as well because we'll yes. be hanging out we'll be on the tour we'll be eating lunch with folks all that kind of stuff mm -hmm. um awesome Yeah, and then um, your website. Yes, my website is sustainabledish.com, and um, I have a couple of books listed there. I have a podcast that I do, and I'm also blogging very uh, frequently over on robwolf.com as well. Awesome. All right, thank you so much for being here, uh, Diana. Super appreciate your time. Uh, had fun and learned a lot from you. Uh, thank you. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Brazilian Health Nut Show. Go to www.brazilianhealthnut.com for much more information about how to burn fat for the rest of your life. Hasta luego!